Listening Podcast, episode 49. We're now living in Trump's America, Jake. We are. This is the first, well, it's the first official episode knowing that Trump will be president. Right. It is on January 21st. Wait, what's... Uh, I think that's inauguration date. Is that's the 21st, The right? 20th, I think, is. Is that a okay. Tuesday, usually? Yeah, I think Just so. It just seems like for like some that. reason political things Always happen things on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yep. I think it's because of, like, what can we add to make the worst day of the week worse? <laughs> just, like, political shit. So a lot of people would say Monday's the worst day. I've always felt Tuesday. Tuesday's, yeah. Just for some reason, it's like Monday... I my motto is like Mondays are for getting through. That's <laughs> right, how I. Right. It's just like you just you just gotta get through Monday. <laughs> right. But then Tuesday, you're not really much closer to the light at the end of the tunnel. No. And like you actually have to do the work you didn't do on Monday. <laughs> right. So because you you convince yourself you're like I just gotta get through it. I don't need to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Trump's orange head is being <laughs> being uh, inaugurated, it's gonna be hard to swallow. But that week, so that week will be the first in Trump's America. Yeah, you're right. Good we got point. a few more, a couple months of Obama's um, America left. So. Jake and I have more election talk after the show, in the after show. It's probably a good 15 minutes. Spoiler alert, we're pumped about what happened. (laughs) Um, So if you want that, you can stick around after the episode, after the outro music. But what we want to talk about today is the passing of Leonard Cohen, a musical icon, legend. Uh, He passed away yesterday on November 10th, late at night. Um, we're doing this episode actually a day later than we normally do because I was on a business trip to the emo capital of the world, Philadelphia. Um, so on my way back, I was in the airport checking Twitter, waiting to board my plane, saw that Leonard Cohen died. This came as a surprise and then not at all as a surprise because, and we talked, I think it was a couple episodes ago about You Want It Darker, his new album, um, and how the theme of death and being ready to die is sort of written all over it especially in that title track where he says I'm ready my lord <laughs> right. and he had the interviews about where he literally said I'm ready to die um, where I was surprised was it just seemed unlikely in a statistical way I guess that this would happen twice this year right. where an older yeah. artist and Leonard Cohen was significantly older 82. than Bowie was. I, I, him Bowie felt more surprising it did it was like ooh that's too soon Cohen felt like it was kind of the right time maybe right I, but what I, what I mean to say is that it just seems unlikely that in the same year you have this event twice. Yeah, where like that, that bookends the year. Yeah, and there's an old, like an older sort of lifetime legacy, very respected musician mm-hmm. who goes out with a def, like a one last defining statement that kind of encapsulates some of their feelings about dying, and then they die shortly thereafter. Um, with Bowie in classic theatrical fashion, he died like two days after he released right. the album. Cohen gave it a little more time. Right. But, um, yeah, surprising. I mean, not surprising, I guess, but... I think it's always surprising when someone that influential and legendary dies, no matter how old they are. You know, I I think when eventually someone like Bob Dylan or Paul McCartney goes, you know, hopefully they're very old. They could live into their hundreds, and you'd still be like, wow, like, I can't believe they're, they're gone. McCartney will be, like, 98 years old. And, like, somehow still have chestnut brown hair and be wearing, like, skinny jeans. Right. Although they won't be popular then, so he'll be wearing something else. He'll be in baggy jeans. That's right. He'll be still, like, trying to be young. Right. While people who were children when he was an adult are, like, actually old. Right. And he'll be acting like he's this hip beetle still. (laughs) But, yeah. um, Well, the thing about Leonard Cohen, too, and I thought about as we were thinking about doing this episode is I don't... 
know a ton about his work. We did, we've never really done a Which, huge deep dive into no, it. So I, we know songs of Leonard Cohen from the 60s, this first album, and we know the, the other book. End so of we story. literally know the first and last albums, yeah. and then we know him for, for writing Hallelujah, too. Right. Which, uh, and so the, actually that's an interesting point, is that last night Mary-Kate was a uh, big friend of the pod, flipping through Facebook, and saw a video of Leonard Cohen. We were talking about him, and I was like, oh yeah, he wrote Hallelujah, and she saw a video, so we watched it. I always thought, um, and it's probably because I heard it when I was like a teenager, but I always thought that I didn't really like his version. Um, and this was a live version, but it's really nice. Once you acquire the taste for the way Leonard Cohen right. delivers his lyrics and, and the way he, you know, his sort of vocals are yep. intonated, I think that's a word, I hope it is, went for it. Um, it. Once I was sort of ready for that and my taste had been sort of widened to it, I actually really enjoyed his version. Yeah, yeah, I I've, I think I've only listened to it once. I had the same reaction. It was actually before I'd really gotten into Leonard Cohen, and I wasn't used to how he delivered it. I was so used to the the really beautiful sounding Jeff Buckley version and, and the other versions that are out there and uh, wasn't quite prepared for it. I don't think I liked it as much. I need to go back and listen to it. But I, I think a lot of people know Leonard Cohen wrote that song, but I don't think a lot of people actually understand the progress and the growth and kind of the story behind it and how it got to be the version that most people actually know, you which should... is... Which is um, covered in Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast. If you're interested in knowing kind of the gestation of that that song. See, now this is just pod guys being pod guys here, just plugging other pod guys. You know, us and Malcolm Gladwell, we're sort of on the same plane in terms of we our are. repute in uh, you know in social circles. Just giving a quick duff of our cap. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to Hi, Malcolm. If you're listening, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. Crazy old Canadian, but um. No, that podcast is awesome. Usually, if you're, if you like, sort of stuff about history, or he's a sociologist, right? Or Gladwell, like that. yeah, something like that. Uh, like a pop, pop, like yeah, sociologist or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's some sort of uh, pedigree. Yeah, but anyways, it's a really good podcast to listen to. The thing I, I want to return to Hallelujah really quickly. Um, like you said, yeah, it took Cohen years to write it, and I, I read yesterday in one of the headlines it said. Um, about his his dying, it said like a prolific or and whatever genius dies, and he was prolific in one sense, but not so much in the other. In that he wasn't like Dylan prolific. He wasn't someone who wrote a lot, right? He or released a lot. He had albums come out every few years, but he was prolific. I guess if you want to look at his career in a general sense, yeah. like uh, on on the whole, right? There's a lot there, but he was a guy, and that's what Malcolm Gladwell talks about in that podcast is. Um, Cohen took a lot of lot of time to put his songs together and to like get lyrics perfect. Right. And Hallelujah was an especially profound case of that, where it took forever for him to finish the verses yeah. and record it and put it out on on a record. Um, sort of one of the all time enigmatic sort of recording artists. Like I feel like I don't, I still don't, I can't pretend to fully understand no. what he's all about. Me neither. No, I I don't either. Uh, I think it's really interesting that he didn't come out with his first album until he was like 32 or 33. Yeah, because he'd been a published author. Right, that's right. He that's wrote right. two novels. And you can definitely see how that literary background plays into his lyrics, especially on that first album. It's so literary. It's just allusions and a lot of things that you'd find in, in poetry or, 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 or books. Um, but I forget where I was going with it. Oh, yeah, the fact that he only, you know, he was around for 50 years as a songwriter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was reading an interesting thing today about how most people, when they think about 
rebellion in music, and we've talked about this before too, is that it's all about you know the young people, youth, youth, that twenty being in your twenties kind of angst and aggression. Yeah, and and he was an example of someone who was able to do that, but well into adulthood. Yeah, uh, which is kind of. Uh, unique for for the music industry. I know we've talked about how we've come around a lot on older artists. We talked about it in that episode about him specifically and how they can still really make meaningful music and I think he's a great example of that. Yeah, and like the older artist thing, it might sound, you might be listening to this and think like, well of course, who cares? But it's this weird bias that I don't think we're alone in having. I don't think so This weird feeling that somehow you're less relevant if you're old, if you're making music when you're like an older person, it doesn't mean as much. I think that that's just a bias of being young. Agreed. I think it's a young, younger person bias, especially. I also think there is a critical bias, too. Oh, there is big time. Yeah. I, I mean, there's certain people who will kind of always get well, well reviewed. There are people who are immune. Pieces to it. of art like Springsteen, Dylan. Dylan. I think Cohen probably falls into that, too. But, you know, if you look at. I don't know. Maybe somebody like Wilco at this point now. Like they're not yeah. setting the critical world on fire anymore. I feel like the point where critically it becomes really hard on artists, especially, is you have to persevere through your thirties and forties, especially your late thirties and into your forties. I feel like that's the period where, like, if you're a critic, you probably think that's the age where art goes to die. Right. Because, like, if you think of the Stones or Dylan or like, I mean, any number of artists, you could argue McCartney, and I think a lot of critics did, yeah. um, in their middle age period, it's like domestic bliss albums, right. it's like their dads. Finding Jesus or, and religion. Right, or you're getting saved, you're sort of finding God. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times what happens is if you can persevere through that and continue to make good stuff, I think we see that like Dylan had that late career uh, sort of bloom of good, yes. good music, or yep. at least critically respected yep. music. McCartney has done some turning around on yep. that. I don't think Leonard Cohen ever lost really, it, although yeah. I don't really totally have a great sense. I don't know either. I, I haven't listened either. to any of those middle albums. No, Again, I, I just know I the book either. ends. So if we look back on 2016, the the big artists that we've lost have been Bowie, Prince, Leonard Cohen. Lemmy from <laughs> Motorhead. That's right. How could we forget? There's another one in there, too, isn't there? There, uh, Well, there's Glenn Fry from the Eagles. That's right. That's right. I don't know if there was another one who was like... But overall, I mean, even those right there are enough to say, bad year for this. Bad year for, for dying musicians. Quick sidebar. Does, did anyone, does anyone ever really know about Glenn Fry? Was he, is he famous? Because I didn't really know him. I no. knew about the Eagles for years, and I knew about Don Henley. Because you recognize the name Don Henley, yeah, right? You heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the deal? Was Glenn Fry not as famous in the Eagles? I don't, I don't uh, really know. Maybe not, because like I hadn't heard of him. He, I think Don Henley had more solo you, success. You brought him up this year. Yeah. We're not here to talk about the Eagles. Um, I just, just, just a side Yeah, note. no. Because growing up, I was like, who's this dude, Glenn Fry? Turning, he wrote half their songs. He was like one of their, the two singers in the band. Yeah, I don't think people know that. He doesn't have a good name for fame, Glenn. Well, Glenn no. Howard is famous. Oh, didn't Scott Whalen die this year? Was that this year? Or was that... Somehow that feels like it's been every year. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> sort of insensitive. I don't mean oh, it no. to be. Okay. He he died December of last year. Okay. So, so we can't commemorate him in our Oscars wrap-up at the no, end of the year. No, we can't. We can't we, have him our, go across our the In memorium. No, we can't. <laughs> this the, is a... Yeah. The people will miss. Um, shall we transition to... We should, yeah. The next part of the show, which is that um, you may have noticed, listeners... That this episode, the previous episode, um, both have been sort of shorter, on the shorter end. 
And the reason is we're both preparing for and it's you can consider this like a hibernation almost. We're getting ready for and fattening ourselves up uh, for a big December, which will con- which will contain a few different end of year podcasts. Yep. Here the plan is for December, uh, when all the other end of the year lists are coming out. We're also going to have our end of the year podcast content. What we're going to do is we're doing our best songs of 2016, our best albums of 2016, and our general year in review podcast where we're going to do some fun superlatives and other categories um, that, that's going to kind of sum up the year as a whole. Yeah. Award season, really. It's, yeah, it's award season yeah. for, for the music world. Very exciting stuff. So Jake and I have taken the last, we've started over the last couple of weeks to re-listen to a lot of the albums that have come out earlier this year kind of refresh our memory, uh, wet the appetite a little bit for for yep for making our end of the year list. So um, really interesting to go back and listen to some of those early year albums that you might have forgotten about or you had certain opinions on, and when you go back and listen, those opinions are either completely reaffirmed or they completely change. Right, um, and I think it should be noted that you know, part of the reason we're starting so early, or that, I mean, like, I kind of started this week, is like, yeah, it's November 11th and we're going to do this in December, but our spreadsheets are loaded. We have like 150 albums we've both listened to. Right. So it's going to take a long time. Right. And I agree, yeah. It's, I go back and, um, I, I've only done a few so far. The, the five I've listened to this week as I've started to finally work my way through albums that I listened to in 2016 are Frankie Cosmos, Next Thing, Dive is the is our big thief masterpiece, Lucy Dacus with no burden and uh, Kamaya. Um, good night in the ghetto. Good night in the ghetto. <laughs> uh, so it's actually been kind of just like I've been picking randomly. I'll look through the list and say like, oh, I haven't listened to that one in a long time. I'll pop it yeah. on. Um, I know that we both feel that um, Lucy Dacus Dacus. I don't really know how to pronounce it. Um, we're liking that album even more than we yeah, did. Yeah, definitely. So that I think came out at a time where. There was a lot of other albums coming out. Yeah. We didn't have the chance to spend as much time with it as we wanted to. And then it took us going to see her open for Car Seat Headrest about a month ago. And we kind of remembered how awesome a lot of the songs on that album were. I went back, I listened, and I ended up listening a few more times uh, last week. And I was like, shit, this is really, really good. It's a really good album. And I think what it was was like... The- at every point of the year, actually, except this past month, kind of, we've been just been bombarded with yep. a ton of albums, and so that one came out. I gave it my the requisite few listens. I like, all right, I like this, don't love this, and whatever. I, I moved on, but having listened to it again, a lot of the songs are stronger than I thought. Um, one that did the opposite for me, where it was exactly what I thought it was, is Frankie Cosmos, and that's just that it's as good Great. as I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, it, having re-listened to it. It's 28 minutes. They're all these super catchy. Something about the way she sings, the type of lyrics she writes, and the, the sort of the production and the simplicity of what Frankie Cosmos does, it's just like endlessly endearing for me. Yeah, I always want to listen to that. Me too. Me too. As soon as I'm done, I always kind of want to listen again. Because it's so short. That's the it's genius like 28 of. minutes, but it's like 15 songs. Yeah. So it feels like it's longer than it is, but it's not. You it's get through so a lot good. of stuff. I've listened to a few more... Um, so far, I've got a little bit of a head start, and a couple albums that I thought I liked more than I actually did, I've re-listened to. One of those was the 1975, I Like It When You Sleep For You're So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It, 
That just added a couple minutes to the podcast there. This might not be so short That's after That's the all. Drake views of album titles, where it's just <laughs> it never-ending. And, well, and of album length, because it's like an hour 14, it's all, isn't it's it? It's long. It's yeah. too long. And then I listened to Into It Over It, Standards. So both these albums got a decent amount of critical love this yeah. year. I went back and listened, thinking, I was like, yeah, I, those are good. I like those albums. I'm lower on them than I've ever been before. Yeah, with neither of those was I really high on them. I think, I guess, standards I might have been a little higher on at the time. Right. Wait, it, it was standards, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that was the Into It Over It album that yeah. came out this year? Yeah. It's been forever since I've listened to either of them. Um, but the 1975, I, I like songs by them. I feel like they're a songs band for me. They're oh, not they're definitely band. a songs band. But they didn't want to. Do you remember in the press, they... Maddie, the, right. the singer, uh, was talking all about how he wanted to be an albums band. It's like, dude, it's no, like, know your lane, right? And like, make more songs like Chocolate, <laughs> right. but, or Sex, yeah. or Sex. And uh, this album, it's really long, and I just like, it's that very, very shiny, like plastic sounding pop rock. Yeah, and it never really did it for me. Totally. No, there's certain songs like the sound is one of the best songs of the year. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super great catchy. single. There's a few scattered throughout. Overall, I just can't can't get down with it. So is is that going to be one that you re-listen to, or are you going to say yeah, no? I might give it another. It depends how much time I have, honestly, because yeah, yeah. I know pretty well how I feel about it. And to hear you, who at the time liked it more than I did, say you don't really love it right now, right. It makes me think ah, maybe if I don't have time, I then, just won't. Yeah, I just won't. But and here's another one. Um, well, I, I don't like it any less. I maybe like it even a touch more. Or about the same as Dive. Is the yeah, are, that's um, been underrated all year by everyone. It is underrated, and the reason is it's it's just too long. But you yeah. know what it is? It's only too long by like two or three songs. Like three songs. You get rid of three, maybe four songs, it is in the conversation for top ten of the year. If you're not way into that sound, I can definitely see it. Yeah, I agree. Because there are sounds in rock where I couldn't take it for more than a half hour, and right. I could never take like an hour ten record of right. a certain type of sound. So if it's you don't like that dream pop, heavy reverb, like... Um, melodic lead heavy yeah. sort of guitar music I can see not wanting to re-listen to that but I listened the other day I, I still like it I, I think the other thing the other reason why an album like Dive has been underrated all year not really talked about it came out in what was it January or February I think it was like the very beginning of Feb- I think it was February 5th or something. I feel like the albums that come out super early in the year like that are looked over. Well, they get the shaft at the end of the year. Which is interesting to me because if you look at the slate we have coming up for early 2017, it's pretty fucking loaded. January? Cloud Nothings, right? Cloud Nothings, Japan Droids, XX. Mm-hmm. There's another one I in never there liked too. the XX as much as I should. I, I listen to the new song. It has a more Jamie XX influence okay. than what they've done. That's cool. Um, I'm just saying like when I've listened to them in the no, past. I, no, I hear you. I hear you. I can kind of... They're hit or miss with me. Sometimes yeah. I really like it. I really have to be in the mood though. But we got a pretty loaded January coming up. Yeah. Those are three artists right there who you would probably see in a lot of end-of-the-year lists. It's going to be interesting to see how that year-long bias shakes out and if they're forgotten or if they're included. Well, and also part of the reason it happens is like the arbitrary... The year is just an arbitrary way to measure time. Right, right. We're closer now to those albums coming out by a lot than we are to when the That's albums right. from this January came out. That's right. We're closer to next year than we are that part of this year. Right. So just like... That naturally happens. By the yeah. end of the year, you're like, oh, I'm not like super pumped to listen to some of those, like Hines or something. Anderson Pack. Anderson Pack. These albums that came out early, early in the year. 
Um, one, I'm there's a lot that I'm looking forward to revisiting. One is Bowie, Black it's, Star. It's yeah. been a while. Me too. Um, Me too. We were there was a point. I think it was around March where we were still listening to it and we were loving it. We were all in on it. I haven't, like you said, I haven't listened in a long time either. I want to know how that's going to affect my opinion of it. Yeah, and that was the saving grace of January for me. There were other mm-hmm. good things that came out in mm-hmm. January, but for me that was like by far my favorite. As great as this year has been, music-wise, looking back, got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah, it, it started with, a, came in like a lamb, not like a lion, That's as, right. Yeah. as they say. That's March. Not for a lack of big names or big albums coming out. It's just that not, a lot of them didn't really deliver on the promise of those big names. For example, yeah, bring, give me an example. I think we thought Savages, Chairlift, yep. Yep. Rihanna, Animal Collective, Wild Nothing. Yeah, I think we all thought those albums would be a lot better than they actually were. You're they were right, all we kind did. of disappointments. Yeah, Savages was. I wouldn't say it was a disappointment. I right. just, I never was like way into we're Savages. Right, same. But I, I even probably liked it more than their previous one. Yeah. Um, which I can't. I think what's that one called? I don't remember at all. Oof, Their I previous album. I can. I can picture it. They're I like all on the front. It. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Chairlift. Like I enjoyed some songs, but it was like I think what's happened with that synth pop sound. It's called silence yourself. Silence yourself. All right. Well, we'll hold. It. Let's just, let's a moment of silence. <laughs> okay, and that was the silence yourself by Savages Memorial <laughs> moment of silence uh, with chairlift. It was kind of just. I didn't feel like they were doing anything new with the, the like synth pop no, sound. No, and the songs weren't as good. They is weren't that, as compelling. And this is me legitimately asking because I don't remember from which of the synth pop albums from which synth pop band this song was from. Right. Is that the is Chairlift the album with that song Ching? Yes, Ching. Yeah, that yeah. song's good. Yeah, that's a catchy There's, song. See, that's the thing. There's a few good ones in there, but overall, like nothing super memorable. I think. Animal Collective, we've we've talked about that too, where that album is not what we wanted it to be. It's an example of a band, huge marquee name in the indie rock world, who's kind of past their prime. This they, isn't 2009 anymore. They might be reaching that that middle aged lull. Exactly, that, and then you don't know, they live in like different corners they do, of the world? They do. Yeah, like Panda Bear lives in Lisbon, Portugal. You got people living in like Brooklyn. They're all over the place. You know what album I did love on on re-listen and wanted to listen immediately again after is Masterpiece by Big Thief. Yes. Really like that album. That's a great example of one that kind of flew under the radar as well. That's really, really good. And I always really liked it, but what happened with that is it was one of those periods where I just got lucky in a week and had two albums I was really loving. Do you remember what the other one was? I don't. Whitney. That's which right. Which is like right now, oh, that's it's right. in my top three. That was that not, June yeah. kind of under the radar, really, really strong release week. Yeah. Right, and so like as fate would have it, Whitney would turn into a top, probably, it was at, like, the little after the midway point of my year, it was my favorite, favorite album of the year, and it could still be there, I have to do some I rearranging think we talked off list. air a, a few weeks ago, and you said, right now, it probably still would be your favorite. Because I've thought about it, and it's just like, which would I rather listen to, this Whitney album, or some of these other emo albums that right. were up there, and I don't know, it's tough to say, I'm going to give it time. My favorite I'm of for the that year, re-listen. oh yeah, my favorite of the year is completely wide open right now. It's exciting, this is this hasn't happened to me in years, for the past four or five years, I've known exactly what my favorite album of the year is for months leading yeah. up to the it's wide open right now for a long time I said Holy Ghost by Modern Baseball I mean I haven't listened in a while I think I might have listened too much Bonnie Vare came in 
haven't listened to that lately either. I thought Bonnie Vare was going to challenge it. Yeah. Frank Ocean Blonde might be in the conversation. I don't know. It's that, wide open. It's exciting. It, blonde, okay, so it, it is actually wide open for me as well. And Whitney is the one where right now it's holding on. But if you're a Whitney fan, like if, like if Whitney's a sports team and you're watching this game, they're up one against the unnamed foe that's that's whichever I don't know who it is if it's if it's modern baseball if it's um, uh, Frank Ocean if it's Frankie Cosmos even there's a bunch right, of people coming right. at him it's this one horse race it's actually like you know what it's actually more like I don't know why I called Whitney the band of him but it's more like um, that American cyclist in the Olympics who ha- was in the lead in this like crazy long race for like 10 miles and lost it literally in the last 250 feet. Yeah. That's what might happen to Whitney. It's also like what I'm thinking about it. It's like an NFL team. They're a big underdog. No one's expecting them to make a lot of noise. They're playing the best team in the league the and Patriots. they jump out to a 21 nothing lead. And you're but like, you know, but you know as a fan it's too early. It's yeah. too early. This other team's going to going to come back. And it's in the fourth quarter right now, and it's it's become a close game after an initial blowout. Yeah, it's twenty-one nothing with like ten minutes left in the second quarter. You go to halftime, and it's twenty-one yeah, ten, and you're like, and you don't it, feel good. This may as and well your be. Your team didn't move the ball at all. That that no. ten minutes left in the second quarter. So so that that long-winded <laughs> <laughs> metaphor. You can think of it as a cycle uh, as a race with with uh, cyclists, so you can yep. think of it as a football game. But either way, uh, it is a it's an open race. I think for I'm, both of I'm us. Ex- I'm so excited. I am I'm too, excited. and I, I really don't know how it's going to wrap up because um, I feel like yours is kind of wide open too. It is, and it's like right now, if I had to pick, gun to my head, I would just say Whitney, right? Like right. as a as a reflex. Right now, I'm I'm if I had to pick, I think I would say Blonde. But again, I don't know. And Blonde is one of those ones that's challenging. And the thing is, is like for me, for both of us, at the mid-year point, um, really the saddest album out coming out of this, if we're thinking of the album as a combatant in this race, mm-hmm. is is modern baseball. Yeah. That they're feeling dejected because yeah. it's like, you know, they were number one on both lists, right. power rankings midway through the yep. year, and have they held on through the back half of the year? Not so much. Not necessarily. Not to the top spot. No. I, I can... They could still end up there. They could fu- still end up but there. But here's what's funny. If you, gun to your head right now, had to say, will that be your number one album at the end of the year, what would you say? No. I would say no as well. Yeah. I'd say pr- most likely not. Right. I'd put it at like 70% it's going to drop into the top 10 somewhere. Right. And yeah. I don't really yeah. know exactly why that is. I think part of it is just the nature of how that album was made and it's a weird relationship I have with it. Where like at first I was like, uh, not as good as I hoped. Right. Then loved it for two, three months straight. Right. And listened a lot. Yeah. And you listened even more than I did. Yeah, I did. I listened nonstop. And uh, yeah, so I don't know exactly where that's gonna gonna fall. I have I, I think, I'm a little bit higher on it right now than you are. I think that's... for me, it's I think it's a more of a possibility it hits number one or at least is in the top three. Than it is for you right now. Yeah, that, I think honestly, on the strength of the relationship I had with it over the summer, yeah. it might just still make it, even though I'm not as into it now. That plays into that that time bias we were just talking about. The albums from January don't get as much love at the end of the year. Yeah, it's that recency bias. And it's a May album, right? Yeah. Um. And yeah, I I maybe you are a little higher on it than I am, but the thing is, is like I was really all in on that album. I forgot to mention that another album I re-listened to, but totally forgot, was Pine Grove. Um, that one's gonna still be real high for me. Yeah, I don't know where I'm gonna end up putting it. I really don't because I still love it. I've heard it 
both live and in person so many times that it had it's had sort of as I call it the revolver effect where I've revolver by the Beatles is my favorite yeah. album I've heard it so many times that it like it just goes in and in one ear out the right. other like white noise right and that's what's starting to happen with Cardinal is like I remember the other day I popped it on I got to the end of New Friends and I was like oh shit right. like all that I mean it's not a bad thing right but it's not it it's hard to know what to do with that that one's still gonna rank really high for me that's a top five candidate right there that's a top three candidate thing that, is just I, think I, about I, how many top five candidates you got you probably have 15 top five I, candidates I, I know and like I think I do too and that's what's gonna make it tough fuck it's like it's so, it's so cardinal because think about that say you have modern baseball you have um, Frankie Cosmos maybe for me Whitney's in there for yep. me modern uh, uh, the hotelier has to be in the discussion um what did we just say? Pine Grove has to be yep. in the discussion. Uh, I gotta give a reevaluation to Bowie. I gotta look again at Radiohead. I gotta Bonnie look Vare. at Bonnie Vare. Like you that's know. right there. That's like eight for me. That could potentially, depending on the the mood I'm. And feeling. then there's a few ones that are really specific to me, like right. Frightened Rabbit, Camp Cope, like albums that I I know personally. I just like more than other people yeah. are gonna have on their list, which is fine. Hamilton and Rostam. You know, like there's there's too many good yeah, Hamilton and Rossum's a, a great point. So like throw that one into the into the candidates for yeah. top five as well. Yeah. Uh, it, so there's like there's a lot, and um, you know it's gonna be tough coming into the year. Yeah. For any of these albums that we thought at a certain point were shoe ins to be top five, right? To not drop a little right. bit, right? And uh, you could say it's too bad, but it's just math. That's just how it. That's I know, just how many albums have come yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. that's how it is. So. I'm excited, and it's been fun revisiting some of these albums. Tweet at us. Let us know some of the... If you've been going back and revisiting any any records from this year. You know what I've been revisiting, Sean? You may have seen on Spotify, but a 2015 album, uh, Grimes. That's right, Art Angels. Uh, Art Angels. I've been like way into yeah. that the past two days. I've listened I've to it seen that, yeah. a couple times. Yeah, that's awesome. It's taking away from what I should be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> See, no, I don't, I don't like that attitude of I... I should be doing this. It's treating music like work, yeah, and that's not good. I say listen to whatever you want to listen to. For example, like I we we, we went on this Beatles kick. It's like mm. that is an artist that we've seemingly exhausted and doesn't have any quote unquote benefit of listening to. It's not like you know we're not getting re-listens. There's no They're gains, like, right? There's no nothing make. to be gained from that. Really, it's actually Ex- silly, except for purely enjoyment. It's actually funny to probably a lot of listeners that we even view it that way. Right. You need to gain something from listening to an album. Right. <laughs> like I like I popped on Abbey Road this week and I was like I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> right. That's so. Fucked. It's like eating junk food. <laughs> right. Because even though it's a empty calories, this is an empty listen. Which is the wrong way to think about it because Abbey Road is one of like the ten best albums of all time. <laughs> right. Right. But I've heard it. A thousand times, right. maybe literally. It's like you don't need to no. listen to it again. Like, oh, I, I need to listen to you never give me your money another time. <laughs> right. I don't. Right. I know all the words and like every blip in the song. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, that's what. So with with Art Angels, I don't know what happened. I just got in the mood to. I was like, what can I listen to that's like kind of poppy? I was like, oh, maybe I'll pop on some Grimes. Yeah. Ended up listening to a couple songs, dude. That album holds up. Yeah, it's I, so good. I haven't listened in a long time. I I had neither, and I don't really. I still couldn't tell you why I did. Yeah. But I popped it on, and it's. Like, the, there's so many good songs on there. Everything is, like, a, a banger. Yeah. this. Uh, see, I, I, I like that. I like finding those random, yeah. I want to listen to this moods, and then just running with it. I think that's good. She's away with hooks. 
Big time, big time. Do we have anything else? I think that I think that does it. I think that wraps it up. Okay. I think this ended up being a little bit more meaty than we thought it would be. A little longer than I yeah. anticipated. Yeah. So we'll just cut about half of it, and then we'll, <laughs> <laughs> then we'll be at the shorter quarter that yeah. we said we'd do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that does it for this week. We will be back intermittently with probably some shorter episodes until our end of the year best of lists. So all yeah. Right. Thanks, everybody. Thanksgiving, we'll take a break even, like, you know, yeah. that probably won't have an episode that week. So realistically, we'll have this one next week, break, then we're into December, mm-hmm. so December 1st, and we said the 8th, 15th, 22nd. So realistically, after this, we just have two more potential shows before the end, before of, the year, the so. end of the year, and even if we wanted to take a break on the 1st or the... Or the twenty uh, fourth is, yeah, maybe the first we we take that off to just prepare and like maybe first of December. Yeah, maybe we don't do a show then, but we still meet and we get everything like kind of prepared. Yeah, we can do that. We're recording, by the way. Oh, okay. I don't know, dude. If you, that's some some inside stuff. That's a little behind the scenes. Right I didn't tell you because I was like, Ooh. "Ooh, the listeners might like this." Our fucking five listeners <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> might like this. That's some inside stuff. Yeah, that's. Uh... <clears throat> How about us getting uh, real, real uh, sassy on that last one, that last pre-show? I don't even remember it. I oh, haven't listened we were... to the last few episodes. Oh, I I listened to it where we just ended up laughing for a really long time. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was it was funny. <laughs> funny to me. Funny to us. Yeah, funny I don't know to if I, it's well. funny to anybody else. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Trump's president. That's what is what shit week. And here's the thing. I wouldn't have brought it up except we brought it up a bunch of times in the pre-shows before. Yeah, yeah. About how like we might be sitting here doing a podcast the week after a Trump election. <sighs> and at that time, I was like, it's not happening. I, I won't happen. never thought it would actually happen. Neither did I. Even when we saw the results coming in, it didn't compute. I thought it would turn around, that it wouldn't actually happen. I still don't fully believe it. No, I feel like somehow it's a joke. Like, the next day, I, I was at, um, where was I? Oh, uh, Planet Fitness, and I was... Sweet, humble brag there. Jake works out, everybody. Just so you know. Just wanted to drop that in. Yeah, and I'm an Adonis as a result. Um, but I was at Planet Fitness, sorry that I went. And, <laughs> and uh, on the TV, in front of my, like, elliptical machine uh, was Donald Trump in the White House having his first meeting with Obama and like they were talking about how how he thought it was a great honor to be in the White House with President Obama and Obama was like you know I think this meeting went well it's like you two hate each other and you know it it's so ridiculous this horse and pony show (laughs) they have to put on I know did you see the picture on Twitter of the White House staffers that were watching Trump walk in. It was a hilarious picture. They all had like their arms crossed and were frowning at him. They looked so pissed and sad. It's unbelievable. I don't even understand how it can be real. It seems like something out of like a movie from the 80s. Yeah. Seems like something like a, a like oh this like billionaire guy with for example, 
on the news, and I've told you this story, but I haven't told the listeners this story, and I think it's funny. We were watching the news the night of the election here at the house. We're all just sort of like in stunned disbelief as, oh, Trump took Ohio, Trump took Pennsylvania, like the world is ending. <laughs> and one of the, this pundit is trying to do his job, and he's, I think CNN, I don't remember what channel, and he was like, so, you know, th- no matter which way this election turns, uh, we will have a first. He's like, because if it's Hillary Clinton, we'll have our first female president. He's like, and if it's Donald Trump, we'll have our first president with no government experience whatsoever. And he didn't mean it as a joke. Right. But it's that's so fucking dangerous. It is. I, this week, I've, I've just been generally sad. Yeah. And Me too. Just afraid for other people in... Like, I'm hoping that it just turns out to be okay and, like, nothing drastically bad happens. Yeah, you gotta hope that he's just, like, a pawn and, like, he just hires people to kind of control him and what his administration does. Yeah, I I don't know. It's... I don't even really like talking about it anymore because it's not doing any good to talk about it. No, and I guess no one really needs to hear our perspectives on it. But the thing is, like, have you seen... If you go on Facebook right now... Oh, it's a minefield of, of it's dis- It's disgusting. And How about... I saw one from It's someone. just all people telling you how you should feel, by the way. It's everyone saying, like, everyone's giving their perspective on what you should be thinking oh, about the election. Yeah, social media... Liberal and conservative. Yeah, so Facebook is one where you get a lot of differing takes. Twitter can be a little bit of an echo chamber because oh, yeah. you just intrinsically follow people who you agree with. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. getting all their takes. Yeah. And it's just kind of reaffirming what you already think. When you hop onto Facebook, you're getting just the craziest of the crazy. You don't know what you're going to get. You get like your friend's dad who you, supported oh. Trump. You get like the dude you haven't talked to since high school who was like on one of the teams you played on and was a hick and like is a borderline white supremacist Trump supporter you're you get, get all that kind of stuff you're getting that dude you went to college with who's trying to convince people that the fact he voted third party wasn't a throwaway vote wasn't a protest vote and that it actually matters like mm. dude fuck you you're one of the reasons why Trump got elected the, actually and the sad thing is too it, Trump didn't actually really get elected because he <laughs> lost the popular vote <laughs> right which is the second time that's happened in our lifetime. I saw some video this morning that tried to defend the Electoral College. It was actually from four years ago. It did an okay, somewhat compelling job. Did Okay, I saw something today. It was like a woman talking. I don't know. I just saw a picture. It said, here's why we have the Electoral College. It was like 50% of the population are in these small areas of the country. The rest is The rest of these gray areas are where the population isn't. They're like... How would you like it if you lived in one of those gray areas and all the population centers voted differently? I was like, what? but why does that matter? Right. Just because, like, it's still a large amount of people thinking a specific way. And without the Electoral College, where those powers, those centers are, doesn't matter. Right. It's just if you went straight popular vote, that, and that's sort of what the essence of this video was. It was kind of saying that. It was like, this makes sure that, like, it was basically saying the point of it was our founding fathers wanted checks and balances between the states or something. And I don't really totally get it, but it's like, how, if we just went straight popular, it's so close anyways. Like, why should Hillary have lost this election if she won by like a million votes? Right. I just don't get that. It it literally makes no sense. That argument, I don't don't think that holds water where, I don't think it does anymore. I think it makes sense when you first, when they first were conceiving the country and how it was going to work. 
it's so much bigger now and yeah. it's so expansive like how i don't know if that still co- computes yeah and the arguments i've seen have never really won me over because they say it's like something to do with like the founding fathers thought a pure democracy would never work because like majority can overpower smaller people or something but i or smaller opinions but i don't understand how that would be any different because the way we are all sort of taught about the election we learn about the electoral college but the way it's covered in the media just feels like a popular vote yeah yeah just feels like hey we're after your vote right your vote counts right. that's the way it's covered so no one ever feels like my vote only counts for like our electors in my, my that, and that's what it is state. honestly when you think about it if you live in an area where it always goes one way like it like i think new york's a great example yeah it, it almost always well, like you montana can, you can count on those states going liberal or conservative or republican or democrat you can always count on it if you are a opposing viewpoint why would you even bother going yeah. to vote that's because your vote do, literally does not matter right and that's the great counter counterpoint to what people the people who defend the electoral college you can come at them with that because it does that actually would if anything inhibit minority minority right. viewpoints right because if yeah if you're if, say it's california an incredibly liberal state if you're conservative, why bother? Why would you go? Because I mean, like, well, I guess they said it in 1988. California voted Republican, but still, in the you know modern times, it doesn't happen. It's the same if you live in like the heartland, right? If you live in Kansas and you're a Democrat, you're, you may as well go in a fucking bunker for a few weeks. It doesn't Seriously. matter what you do. It doesn't yeah, matter if you it doesn't. Vote. And so, you know, why you you like you said, you're limiting the power that those minority voters have. If you turn that into a popular vote, literally every vote matters. It doesn't matter how your state yeah. goes because yours will still count with the majorities that are happening on the coasts where people actually, like, understand the world. That's... <laughs> yeah. And the way it's trending. That's the way I... Sorry to anyone who, like, is, Any... a, is a conservative who lives in the heartland. Because, <laughs> like, I, you know... See, this is the other problem with these elections. You make sweeping generalizations yeah. about other people and their belief system and their intelligence levels, and that's not fair. Well, no, I mean, it's like, I think it's we're just in a heightened sense of sort of frustration mm-hmm. at this point over the fact that, that Trump won. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like I, and like, I fully expect it not to be as bad as everyone on Facebook and social media seems to think it's going to be. Um but I was pretty depressed on Wednesday. Me I was too. Pretty and it, out. it doesn't help when you, like we were saying before, when you hop on Facebook and you see people you went to high school with who you know are staunch Republicans trying to, you know, speak to the the people who lost and being like, you know, you should just accept this and you like, have to respect it. It's like, it's okay. like, we, like he doesn't respect. Like women or minorities or like why it's it's diff- they're, like, they're trying to compare it to when Romney lost or when McCain lost. It's like it's not the fucking same. No, it's like not. people's rights aren't being completely restricted or potentially taken away because Obama won. Like no. people aren't fearing for their lives when Obama won. What's like it? you might have been upset that your candidate lost, but your life was never gonna be like in danger. I think it's almost comical too because it's like when a Democrat wins. Republicans and like conservatives, they might roll their eyes. They might be right. like, "Oh no!" Right, and they might think their guns are getting taken away. <laughs> but other than that, no one's like fearful for their right to that's live as saying. they are. Yep. It's like, "Oh, we're gonna spend too much money on stuff that may or may not work," and that's fair. But when like when someone like Trump, who's like run on a radically and dangerously so right platform, it's like, "Oh well, like I don't know if I, as a woman, I'm gonna be able to have right to you know just determine what I do with my body." Right. And my reproductive rights. Or, or if I'm a Muslim, 
Will I be able to stay? I'm talking like Obama. <laughs> right. Or if I'm a uh, Muslim, will I be able to stay in this country? <laughs> no, it's so true, though. And it's it's very different. I don't know why they can't see that. Also, it's people who just have known privilege their entire life and yeah. don't understand that there's other people who aren't as well off as they are. Yeah. And that, I think, is the thing that makes me the most sad about this election is coming to grips with the fact that there's so many people out there who don't care yeah. about people who aren't as privileged as they are. Or like aren't exactly like that. Right. They, they literally they just don't care. Like for me, I know either way this election went, my life personally is not really going to change that much. Yeah. Spoiler no, alert, we're both white men. White males. White straight males in the Northeast. My life isn't going to change that much. I voted for the people who I knew their life would change a lot if the worst were to happen. And yeah. Trump were to be like... I, I was voting for the women in my life that I know. I was voting for the the minorities and the um, LGBT community who don't... You know, who aren't represented by, by Trump's views and who are potentially at risk to, to have their rights taken away or, or, or have a worse life. That Those are the people who I voted for. And those are the people who I was most sad for after. It wasn't for me. Right. Like, yeah, and the thing is, people also forget, and then I think we should get off this soapbox yeah. because yeah. this is going to end up being longer than the, the short episode, episode we're doing today. But yeah. um, it's like you, what you were saying the other night, where it's not really Trump. It's the fact that the, now that there's also a majority in Congress, Trump is in there and he's going to have a fully conservative cabinet. He has Mike Pence, who believes gay people can be converted. Electroshocked into being straight like, again. Tortured into being straight. Um, and and there's a Supreme Court seat at That risk. is so troubling. And so me. Roe v. Wade could be overturned if there's a majority of conservatives in the... Uh, in the Supreme Court, and so like I, it, I don't know if you know some listeners might be pro life or think that Roe v. Wade should be overturned. I don't know, but that's what's upsetting from my perspective, at least. Me too. Me too. Anyways, yeah, let's. That's a lot. Well, yeah, let's dive in. Let's talk about music and All pretend right. to like be happy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, we'll dive in. <clears throat> All right, three, two, one. <laughs> 